welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello, Broads. Hi, Broads. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. This is Thanksgiving week. This is a beautiful week. It is. Um, I'm back. I'm healthy. Thanks for manning the ship without me. Of course. And Thank Nick, really. I mean, honestly, like the hotter version of me, I appreciated him. The <laughs> South African male, six foot four. I mean, you two can't even compare. I mean, honestly, like we were bombarded by like is he single? It's like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He's 100% <laughs> He's, single. And no, we're not going to hook it up for you. You're going to have to say it <laughs> yourself. To, and you're go for it. Leg okay? <laughs> go for it. Be um, subtle. Start commenting on his pics. You know, we have a whole other episode of, about that. I'm yes. Sure. Yes. We'll bring him in and have him, him and Craig do a, a dating. Oh, blind I know. Dating. People were dying for that. Or also, we got to have, I think we should have Nick on for a Bachelor episode. Oh, we need to. I think it would be really fun. Um, Speaking of that, just so all you broads know, um, on our episode, we will be releasing an episode on Thanksgiving. We have some fun announcements for that. Um, And well, yeah. (laughs) Okay. A big announcement for that. Yes. yes. Um, And then we'll also be getting in. We'll chat a little bit bachelor in that because we have to talk about Pete's. What? I, don't, I, he, I mean, I have no idea. He has his promo out now. It's really? Out of, oh, yeah, we'll How watch it. It's you out know of what? control. Whenever I see a Bachelor thing come up on my Explore page, I just keep hitting see fewer posts like this. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I just, like, you know I how you can go do there that? Yet. I'm I like, I'm, I'm, I've decided I'm not going to follow Pete or any of his women during because that's how I usually accidentally get hit with the spoilers. Yep. I don't Smart. even know a single girl's name. I, know. I don't know but anything But speaking that's of, happened. we are going to just, for everyone asking, we will in a few weeks be doing an episode with where we you know make our prejudgment that'll calls. be like do we know when the first episode is uh, the sixth or like the seventh well, that's or something of january so yeah we'll so do it the first week, week in january we'll do it yeah something like that also just a heads up the last two weeks in december we're doing two single episodes um Maybe we'll throw it in the one after Christmas or something. Yeah. A little Christmas prezi. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Super dope. Well, guys, we'll keep you all updated about the schedule of yes. when our episodes drop. But we're going to have one, yeah, each week just to give ourselves a little holiday cheer break. Yes. Um, but speaking of holiday cheer, uh, we have had, I'm going to say, yes, confidently, this individual who is with us today, we've had the most DMs specifically requesting her. Saying after we put out our first Bible Broads episode, everyone was like, "Have you heard of this person? Have you heard of this person? You got to get her on to be a perfect fit." Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so excited because we haven't had a Bible Broads episode in a hot minute. It's been a while, and I believe that episode. I will look it up really quick because um, I think that's helpful for people if you're just tuning in. Obviously, Jess and I always throw in that. Well, we were raised Christian, conservative homes. I mean, we bring it up all the time because it's one of the biggest foundations of our upbringing mm-hmm. uh but we first had an official episode on episode number 27 of our podcast called god church and the broads mm-hmm. i believe that was our very first one yeah and we really talk about our upbringing where we're at now how different things have affected us what we've taken away and what we've left behind 
from our Christian upbringing, and we continued on to talk about it in future episodes, but episode 27, if you want to go check that one out. So check um, that out, and if you already have, then let's dive into another Bible Broads episode, yes. because on today's episode, we have Brenda Marie Davies, a.k.a. Goddess Grey. Hello, Thank Brenda. You. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining yeah. us. I was just a voyeur for a moment there. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sitting Watch. on the sidelines. Uh, I think a good place to start would just be maybe synopsis of what you do, how you got started doing it, and why you do it, and all of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I do it all for the money and fame. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Wow. Oh my gosh, relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I, let's see. Okay, my synopsis of God is Gray is I call myself and the channel like an advocate for sex positive, LGBTQ affirming, science believing Christianity. Oh, which is a YouTube channel, just to clarify. Yeah, it's a YouTube channel and a podcast, both under the name God is Gray, G-R-E-Y. And it actually is something that I never thought I would do in a hundred million years. (laughs) Like if you told me five years ago I was going to be a YouTuber, I would be like, (laughs) what went wrong in my life? (laughs) Vlog squad, Jake Paul style. Exactly. Like, what's up, fam? <laughs> that is not my vibe. I'm like, you know, my flat voice and stuff. But anyway, basically, I had written like um, blogs that I started on MySpace. God knows how long ago that is. Okay. And um, at the time, I was conservative Christian, saving myself from marriage, not drinking any alcohol until I was 21. And I was writing a blog about living in Los Angeles and maintaining my Christian faith, mm. like in spite of all these wild, crazy people I was hanging out with and stuff. Are you from LA or where are you from originally? I'm from Jersey, Philly. Okay. So I moved out here when I was 19. And um, that was what that blog was all about. And it was crazy because I had this like readership of like 20,000 people a blog or something. And at that point, it was like the beginning of social media. And I didn't know that had any value. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing that this is like touching people. But I ended up um, getting married, losing my virginity beforehand, um, then like, he cheated on me. We got a divorce. And like, so during that whole sticky time, I was kind of totally BSing my way through the blog. And when I read back on it, I was like, oh, girl, you lying about being perfect, you <laughs> yeah. know? Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I had that source material and then I kept writing and then I started becoming more honest and journaling privately. And after a while, I had like seven pa- 700 pages of like just writing about this Christian sex, drugs, rock and roll, and Jesus kind of thing that I'd been through, which we would now identify as deconstruction, reconstruction, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And um, excuse my voice, by the way, not feeling amazing today. Um, So I wanted to make a novel out of it, and I kind of like fictionalized my story and I was shopping it around publishers and a couple people said, we love this material, but there's no audience for it. Mm. And I was like, Interesting. yes, yeah. there is. Yeah. And this is like pre-Trump and everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't think people in that industry really realize the impacts and how profound purity culture and modesty culture had been for millions of us. So is that sort of the focus of that that novel was the the effect that it had on you and then movie or what, what exactly was... 
Yeah, it's just like the process. I kind of saw it in three acts. It was like being a perfect Christian girl, following all the rules, and then um, like getting brokenhearted, cheated on, the pendulum swinging completely to the other side, going what I going on what I call my trampage (laughs) phase, (laughs) and just like going bananas, and then swinging back around again to realizing I still consider myself a Christian. I still wanted to be that way. So that was the whole journey of it. Um, so in the process of being like, I got those emails and I was like, no, I will prove there's a Christian audience. So I went online to find like sex positive Christians or LGBTQ affirming Christian communities. And at the time, which is probably like four years ago now, I couldn't find anything. Oh wow! And instead on YouTube, I found all these like young blonde white girls talking about like if you show a spaghetti strap you just don't know what's gonna happen to you and you know like saying the same things and I was actually horrified because I was like I had for some reason thought maybe all of us would have evolved like collectively as a religion and it was one particular girl that I saw calling God her birth control and trying to dissuade her audience from using birth control and I just went insane and was like, oh, my God. And I ended up picking up my camera and just deciding to put out videos on my own, which actually was a very spiritual experience. I feel like it was like heaven sent to me. I went in a trance when I got the idea and then I came out and I was like, I think I have to do this. Mm. So that's where that came from. Did you have concern <laughs> about family or friends or people, you know, oh, seen girl. It? <laughs> Well, first of all, like all of my friends have always considered me the nerdy Christian, which I totally am. Because you're like the theological, like know the, (laughs) like that kind of thing. Just like, well, in my, in the beginning, I was hanging out with all the same people that I do now. So this is like 10 to 15 to 15 year old relationships and at the time like people would come up to me at a club and offer me like cocaine and another friend would like swat it out of their hands and be like she is a christian <laughs> she is not gonna do that and it was cute they were all really protective of me but they all thought i was a weirdo they were like this is our virgin model friend who doesn't do anything and you know whatever <laughs> and and were they christians or no not okay. at all okay yeah. got, it, got it and i had like christian circles and everything but they were like I've always had different groups of people that I hung out with. And um, so definitely when God is Gray first came out, I was like, oh, God, like all of my friends are going to be like, what the hell is she doing now? (laughs) (laughs) And I did get some blowback when I put out my first video. Two or three people wrote me and they were like, I don't know what you're doing, but this like looks weird. And Christian friends or non-Christian friends? My non-Christian friends that have like, I don't know. I don't know what they just didn't get it at first Mm -hmm. only a couple people and i think a lot of my friends were worried because they were like the internet is volatile do people know where you live yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly they were like afraid for me because by this time trump was out and all these crazy you know incels and all the things that like we know exist they were like are you sure you're it's worth it to like speak out against these things in Mm -hmm. that volatile space so there was like a couple concerns and then me and my dad have been on a major journey because also when god is great came out my dad was like well she's lost it not not a christian don't know what she's doing and was really scared that i was going to go to hell for telling people like being gay wasn't a sin and stuff Mm -hmm. like a false prophet 
Yes, I'm a false prophet for sure. (laughs) (laughs) False teacher, Mm -hmm. Jezebel. So were you raised in a really conservative home? What's crazy is that we were really casual Catholics. And... um, But my dad was really my mentor in faith. Like, we've always had a really strong spiritual connection. And he would, like, have me up all hours of the night talking about Bible stories and stuff. They're really precious times for me. And Jesus always resonated. That's how I describe it to people when they're like, why not Buddhism or Hinduism or anything else? And it's like, I don't know. Jesus just resonates, always has, always will, I believe. Um, But... We also never talked about sex, never had curfews, never talked about alcohol or drugs. It was just like, don't ask, don't tell kind of family <laughs> values. And, um, but it didn't matter because I was such a goody-goody. And then I was like a theater nerd and one of my friends, like I had never been kissed. I was a huge dork in school. One of my friends was like, do you want to come to a youth group? There's a lot of really cute boys there. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was also like, oh, by the way, I think I love Jesus, too. So whatever, it'll be both. Um, And it's funny. It was such a bait and switch because the cute boys drew me in. But then as soon as you're in, they're like, by the way, you can't touch each other ever. (laughs) (laughs) So that was when I became indoctrinated into evangelicalism. And how old were you? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Yeah. And do you mind me asking how old you are now? (laughs) <laughs> you don't have to answer that I don't mind I'm just like, I'm, just I'm in my 30s okay. like I just yeah I'm Same. not ashamed of it myself yeah. but I'm like I don't want anyone to feel alienated like dang she's older no well, I'm in my too. 30s too so I was just curious about the time period of like youth group and Christian you know because they're sort of like waves like Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I'm definitely not old enough to do true love weights, but I am old enough to have Joshua Harris's "I Kiss Dating Goodbye." Oh, of yeah. course, so however old that that was the oh, second. Yeah. That was the second Bible, uh-huh. obviously. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys remember Brio magazine? Did of you course. Read? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it. I remember that. Although I still did true love weights too. Yeah, I did. Too. Even though I'm twenty, I'm twenty four. So. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Glad to hear it's going so strong. <laughs> oh my gosh! Kill me. <laughs> Kill me. Ah. Still going strong. Uh, that's horrifying. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trauma. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that I'm so excited like to really get into it with you about is because we have so many listeners. When Beck and I first started this podcast, one of the biggest things that her and I connected on was the fact that we were raised in um, these like conservative evangelical homes. And when we first put out the episode, the response was shocking to us how many people just like exactly how you said, how your publishers were like, there's no audience. There was a part of me that kind of was like, oh, I don't think a lot of people are going to maybe resonate with what we're talking about. And it was one of the biggest episodes where everyone was like, "Um, I feel that way. Has that been just a huge like with your channel, just seeing so many people coming out of the woodworks being like, yeah, I, I feel this way as well. Yeah, one of my very favorite things about having God is Gray is that I really hate shallow conversation and small talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of us do. <laughs> um, so it's been really nice to like be out at a bar <clears throat> and have someone that I've known for like five years come up to me and be like, oh my God, and tell me 
their crazy story and they're the most unexpected people. They yeah. come from all walks of yeah. life, all races, all backgrounds. And it's, it's crazy how almost universal it feels. I don't think some people feel comfortable talking about it for so many reasons. And I think, I think that there's a lot of stigma about talking about Christianity whether or not you are a Christian now or mm-hmm. were a Christian. And there's something that sort of our culture says is embarrassing or sort of shameful about participating in uh, institutionalized religion. So I think that that might be part of it is people don't feel comfortable being like, so let's talk about the time when I used to like be filled <laughs> with the Holy Spirit and like try speaking in tongues yeah. and would, you know, and do all these things that you might be like, I don't really want to talk about that with my new friends. Right. You know, it's not an easy thing to, to talk about for some people. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely always thought it was like, well, I actually think it's incredibly badass. Like when you get into like demons and angels and like totally. the history mm-hmm. of everything you're at, like, this is actually amazing. But it's also incredibly nerdy. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the music? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. I still love it. You're Fuck the oh. haters. I still listen to Reliant. <laughs> I still listen to Reliant K and Sanctus Real on a hard, rainy day. Oh, Are you no. kidding me? <laughs> I hear them and my heart does swell. Right? Sometimes, sometimes well, certain, certain songs I, sh- I shudder and then <laughs> the other ones. I'm like, all right, I remember that. But a lot of it is associated with a moment at camp where oh, totally. I felt the spirit of the Lord, but also a cute boy was holding my hand secretly <laughs> under the chair. 100%. So I'm like, we're, yes, this is, this is or, a connection. you know, my mom's singing worship songs to me. So mm-hmm. when I was scared and, and going to sleep and all that kind of oh, thing, it's like, beautiful. there's all these kind of associations yeah. that are intertwined with both trauma, but also really rich beautiful memories and that's the complex thing about unpacking a christian upbringing absolutely Mm -hmm. also you don't usually want to say it in public or i didn't want to before because of course now it's associated with being like a bigot a bigot yeah yeah Yeah. of course well i want to ask where you're at now currently and then dive into that but um before that we're going to be talking a lot about god during this episode and i have to say if god needed a phone and hey Maybe he or she does. <laughs> There's only one phone case that God would use because it's the world's slimmest, most protective phone case with tons of classic designs, stylish collaborations, and the ability to create your own custom case. It's Casetify. It's that perfect case that keeps your phone safe without sacrificing style. Yeah, Casetify cases have a two-layer Chi-Tech material construction and have passed a drop test of a height of 6.6 feet. That's high enough for me. That's plenty high. <laughs> yeah, I my don't want to fall 6.6 6 6 feet. <laughs> They offer military-grade phone protection, and the cases are the real deal. If you're anything like Jess and I who drop our cases, I mean, this three times a day, but for me, it's more like 10 times a day, yeah, probably give or take. more. <laughs> this case is going to save you. Um, I will never be able to get over how slim and cute the cases are while being so protective. I've never seen anything like it, and there are so many cute options. You're able to choose your favorite designs, colorways, and add custom text to create a custom phone case no one else will have, and there are so many fun collabs with different artists and designers. Uh, these are really fun gift options, too. For uh, Christmas, I got one for my sister, my mom, my mother-in-law, and and uh, for Christmas, that's actually what they specifically asked for. Perfect. Yeah. And, of course, we're going to give you a discount. Go to casetify.com slash chatty today to get 20% off your new favorite phone case. That's casetify.com slash chatty for 20% off your Casetify purchase. Okay, so now 
when you have this full turnaround and you're saying that you can, you are a Christian, when I personally have heard the words like uh, affirming and sex positive with Christianity, I know that in our journey, I mean, mine and Becca's, I know ours have been somewhat different, but um, I've like really battled with it because red flag, red flag. Right. Well, I hear <laughs> all, all that I know is I'm like, I know how I feel and I know that I believe um, that love is love. And I am like, I, I've talked about that. One of my biggest issues with the church, the, my first turn was the conversation with the queer community. And I yeah. was like, I, this is not wrong. Like, and I just, I could not, I couldn't let it be. I couldn't let it sit with me. But when I hear you talking about affirming Christianity and sex positive, I know a lot of people go like, oh, you're going to be cherry picking Bible verses, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that something that, you get constantly people asking you questions about. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is ironic because also from my experience, pastors cherry pick constantly. Like, of course. I just did a video actually this week where I was talking about how they cherry pick, for example, um, from Song of Solomon. I think it's 8-4. Um, Do not stir wicked desire before it's so time. And they'll cherry pick that verse to be like self-pleasure is a sin. And I'm like, you cherry picked a verse from an erotic novel that exists within the Bible <laughs> to tell us not to touch ourselves. Like, that's a stretch. How mm-hmm. did you even find that verse to pluck it out to justify what you're saying? Mm-hmm. And... um same thing I was just talking about unevenly yoked relationships in that same video. And they plucked this verse out of second Corinthians to say, you can't be unevenly yoked with another person. And the apostle Paul was talking about like spiritually how you can be manipulated by teachers, which is ironically what's happened to a lot of us in church. Mm -hmm. And then they twist it and cherry pick it to say that it's about marriage. He's not talking about marriage in that verse. So I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe I'm cherry picking, but you sure as hell are too. Mm -hmm. So like, and also the worst part about the Christian journey is that they vilify your feelings and they always make fun of me having feelings. And I've tried to get rid of that vernacular from when I say it because I'm like, okay, don't say feelings because then they love saying, Brenda's just like living off of that. But it's like, it's not feeling like what is a feeling? What context do you mean? Like they say the heart is deceitful above all things. So when you say I feel like being LGBTQ isn't a sin, like they'll be like, all right, well then you are trusting your heart and you are being led astray. Your sinful desires Mm -hmm. are leading you, right? Yeah, it's your flesh that's telling you to feel that way, quote unquote. When in reality, it's like, all right, let's break it down. What's a feeling? And to me, it's not a feeling. It is a divine, innate understanding that we have gotten this wrong. And the Bible also says to look at the fruits of doctrine and the fruit of everything. So if we look at the fruits of LGBTQ doctrine historically, what has it done? It's caused everything from like emotional abuse and trauma to people to suicidal ideation to actual suicide or murder Murder, yeah Yeah, so i'm like all right so that's the fruit so sorry my quote feelings aka my true knowing that you've gotten this doctrine wrong like battle me on it all you want but i'm seeing what we've done and Mm -hmm. i'm acknowledging it and i'm not gonna like shut up about it one thing that i really enjoy about the videos i was watching on your channel is for me uh even 
stepping away from the Christian church when I would hear people say that there's sex positive Christians or um, LGBTQ affirming Christians, I'd be like, all right, are you just kind of just, are you just kind of making, making it the fuck up and just being like, yeah, you can totally be Christian and be gay. And just saying that because even it was so funny, even stepping away from the church, it irked me because I'm like, what's your basis for this? Or do you just want to play along in this whole culture and then also do whatever you want at the same time? But when mm -hmm. I watched your videos, I am really logical and rational and, when I was a Christian, I always liked debating people and picking apart the logic and some of the points you made are, they're really solid and rooted in scripture and rooted in history. And some, some of the more compelling like arguments, even though I know that's not your point is to like deconstruct other people's narratives. But for me, it was really affirming because it sort of gives me peace when I'm like, okay, Someone's got a reason for saying this, even though people don't need a reason for the things they believe. But it was really helpful for me to feel, you know what I mean? No, I really appreciate you saying that because I am an emotionally based person and I have held on to these personal beliefs for over 10 years. Through my deconstruction, I had, you know, what I would call like a spiritual awakening that affirmed to me being LGBTQ wasn't a sin, but I couldn't prove it to anybody. I couldn't right. say anything about it. So actually having God as gray has been amazing because it's forced me to be accountable for what I'm saying. And it's like, okay, if no one is going to trust my feelings and you know what? You shouldn't mm -hmm. because who am I? I'm just a person. Then we need to like dive deeper. And it's been really eye opening for me when you actually dive into the theology and the history of the Bible you realize you can essentially prove that it's wrong, mm. that the doctrine is wrong. What was the reason mm. you stuck by Christianity through all of it instead of just throwing in the towel and walking away? Well, that was a part of my journey. Like when my husband cheated and we got the divorce and yeah. everything and when I was trampaging all over <laughs> large cities across yeah. the world, um, I realized that I was still calling out to Jesus all the time and I was still reading my Bible every night and I was still in love with that part of myself. And after a while, I began resenting the fact that I was supposedly not allowed to call myself a Christian because of my sexuality. So I can't say that I relate to the LGBTQ experience as a Christian, but I can relate to being taught that my faith is fully based on whether or not I'm a virginal or celibate girl. Sure. Right. A sense of ostracization from... Yeah. yeah. I mean, the evangelical church, I've been calling it an idol. I believe they've built an idol out of sexual purity mm -hmm. and heterosexuality. And it's become like the foremost thing that, that people consider Christian. Like... <laughs> You could yeah. be at a food bank devoting your entire life to that. And if someone comes up and is like, but aren't you living with your boyfriend? Then all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah. You're not a Christian. There's no validation. And, and yeah. I do think we also, um, it's funny because my parents use this as a justification for the church's focus on sex, but I sort of see it the opposite way. We, we are in a culture that is extremely sex obsessed. And I yeah. think that it does actually come be because of puritanical culture. But I mean... Yeah. It's it's even kind of silly sometimes. Obviously, talking about sex is fun, but even the way that we sometimes obsess mm -hmm. over, like we have mm -hmm. episodes all the time, and we're like, let's, let's <laughs> talk about sex all the time, which like it's awesome. But I think because of 
the puritanical culture that our culture has emerged from out, you know, outside of our personal Christian upbringings, we do as a culture have this obsession. Like I look at memes on my Instagram explore page and like nine out of 10 are about like sex and dick and pussy and all this (laughs) shit. And it's like, we're okay. Like there is so much more to relationships and so much more to life. And even outside of Christianity, we have this incredible like obsession on sexual relationships instead of it being one part of life that we can integrate throughout calmly and casually you yeah. know i mean i feel like it's always been like that like the romans were all super horny True. and yeah. having orgies all the <laughs> time like i feel like human beings just love sex yeah. and that's why I do acknowledge that something needs to come in the place of purity culture. Like I keep saying, I hate purity culture. I want to burn it to the ground. Mm-hmm. And I really do because it's based in like rules and regulations. And I just got a sex ed certification. Like, I, Oh, cool. <clears throat> Amazing. I know. I'm so excited. I really want to like teach teens and like go to churches and talk about sex. It's my favorite thing to talk about yeah. to your point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I realized, like, did you just hear that Joshua Harris, like, denounced I Kiss Dating Goodbye and everything? So he was, like, the godfather Mm -hmm. of purity culture. And he just, like, made it arguably (laughs) so much worse than it had been before. He's like, whoops, guys. (laughs) My bad. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I ruined so many lives. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Joshua. Yeah, I know. My heart goes out to him. Yeah, absolutely. We've had, like, some interesting DM conversations. And he's so like repentance about it just like human to human he's yeah. like just damn i'm sorry he was a 21 year old homeschooled oh, virgin i like, think about like things i've posted back in the day and i'm like if those were published i wouldn't have a, a place here right now because people would be <laughs> yeah. like you said what about what so it's like yeah him being this younger man like you know and grateful that he's now come out and been like i'm so sorry Mm -hmm. like for what happened yeah which is amazing Mm -hmm. i commend him for it yeah but yeah tons of damage on that one but i think a lot of like parents for example and leaders are really scared to be like we're gonna let go of purity culture now even though the damage the fruit is so apparently harming and damaging like if you read Linda K. Klein's Pure or Jamie Lee Finch's You Are Your Own, mm-hmm. they're both amazing case studies on the results of that culture. And it ended in like endometriosis and ED dysfunctions and shame and women having panic attacks before sex, even oh, when yeah. they're married. Yeah. Like it's it's real that trauma, that religious trauma is diagnosable at this point. So it's like, But at the same time, I think leaders are afraid to let it go because we have nothing to put in place of that. Mm -hmm. And I do acknowledge that and see it. So and and there are and I understand, too, because there are problems, you know, there are problems that we do need to have some form of consciousness, but it not the way it is, you know, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I like you said, I think something else needs to come in place of it. But. We've yeah, got to exactly. do away with the current <laughs> like, foundation. One of my guilty pleasures, which people might just murder me for, is call her daddy. <laughs> I am obsessed with call her daddy. <laughs> and it's like, I almost, I really listened to it as a voyeur, like, <clears throat> again, remembering my tramp age and being like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> the days that, that I would have listened to this being like, thank you for the advice. I needed it. Like, 
Right, right. Like I just writing it down quick is like, oh, okay, yeah, I gotta exactly. take that. <laughs> like I just when guys are breaking your hearts, you're like, okay, yeah, that's how to damage them in reverse, and yeah. that's how to like get mine, and that's mm-hmm. how to, and it's just like it's kind of fascinating, and also they're just hilarious. I'm sorry, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. But, um, you know, I listened to that with a light heart. I'm not taking an ounce of their (laughs) advice. And I don't think they would care. They would be, like, probably happy to hear that I'm not taking any of their advice. Um, But that said, like, yeah, that's what culture shows us for sure. Like, this demonized culture that the church points out all the time, like, they would be... The goddesses. Here they are the doing the gluck gluck three thousand yeah, exactly. to hundreds of men. Yeah, should be doing gluck gluck to one man, yeah. one man only, and whenever he wants and it to. Make you know? sure that. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Yeah. But that said, it's like okay, yeah, I understand. Our sons and daughters are going to be exposed to stuff like that, and we, as the church, as mm-hmm. spiritual people even as upstanding individuals of society should have a better ethic than call her daddy ethic. Sure. <laughs> and, um, and especially if you're trying to lead a congregation. So that's just some like what I'd call sexual integrity. And I just did a video called like, I think eight principles of sexual integrity. And I called out this pastor, Lisa Bevere for again, bringing up new toxic, horrible thoughts and purity culture And to me, the gap we need to fill in is, first of all, consent, something never addressed at church when I was there ever, Mm -mm. ever, ever. If anything, it was the opposite. It was, again, like, your spaghetti strap shows, like, sorry that happened to you. Cause your brother to stumble. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which is another verse completely plucked out of context to be about women and the way we dress. That's not what that verse is about. Um, So to me, sexual ethic is like, utmost communication and truth with my partner and what Dan Savage said, which is like, when you have a sexual encounter with someone, make sure they leave your house better than you found them. Like they should leave Mm. feeling like they've been communicated with. There's no like confusion about where you stand. Mm. Just having these ethics with other people that you're acknowledging their pleasure and their right to have pleasure. And if you want to save that for marriage, fine. But if you're having sex outside of marriage and you're a Christian, like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to talk about it on God is Gray because apparently 80% of unmarried Christians are having sex out of wedlock. So someone needs to be talking to them about how to have sexual integrity while they're having those experiences. Yeah, and what if we talked about consciousness of your own body and consciousness of how experiences are making you feel? Exactly. Like, actually, when my husband Mm -hmm. does this to me, you know, that, that just, I feel icky in mm. the center of my stomach. Mm-hmm. So I need to evaluate what's happening and then have communicate so that stops. Or, yeah. you know, maybe I feel I give myself permission to have one night stands and hook up with people and it makes me feel this certain way. And so maybe I need to adjust and find what works for me. And for other people, they're going to do those same things and be like, this sits well with me and this makes me feel more open and Mm. positive and good at this point in my life. And so I'm going to move forward in this direction because it's affirming for me. Yeah. And just giving each of us permission to to evaluate ourselves in that way. Totally. I had a major, major transition, which is I realized basically everything in my journey culminated to this incredibly toxic, emotionally abusive relationship that ended up being a little physically abusive Mm. at the end. And 
in that experience, right after that, I had this huge awakening where I was like, you know what? I've been compartmentalizing my sex life over in this corner and my spiritual life in this corner. And these two people are not aligned. I've, I've kept them away from each other. When I had sex, I would ask God to wait outside. And then as soon as I was mm-hmm. done, I'd like open the door and be like, okay, now we can have a relationship again. And to me, if you're a spiritual person, God needs to be in the bedroom with you. He needs to be present when you're having sex. And anyone that's not Christian is like, you're crazy. (laughs) But like, that is the way I see it. Like if you're going to accept God into your life and have that as an influential part, then that is a very crucial element of your being and your emotional, spiritual and physical health. Like he needs to be present in that experience. So what that looked like to me was being like, okay, (laughs) a one night stand has arrived in my bedroom And afterwards, now I'm going to look heavenward and be like, how did that make me feel? What did I get from that? Like, did he honor my body? Did I feel pleasure? And like, for example, one story that I do keep saying is um, there was a time when I was in the Trampage phase and I was in New York City. I was at Blind Barber and I saw a bartender (laughs) I liked and it become a pattern to just like hit on boys and, you know, go home with them. So that's exactly what happened. And when I went back to his apartment, which was like an eight floor, like walk up or whatever. <laughs> um, and I'd been modeling that night and my hair was enormous. And I was wearing like the tiniest outfit of all time <laughs> with like really dark black eyeliner. And I go up to his place and he got really like really, really, really aggressive And that's something I could hypothetically be into. But this was a stranger. This was someone that I just met. And nowadays, I would obviously very easily be able to be like, yo, no, that is not how we're doing this. That's Mm -hmm. not how I want to have sex with a stranger. But at that time, I had been in this compartmental phase. So I just disassociated from my body floated above myself and the whole time I was thinking well this is what you get you're sleeping you're having a one night stand yeah you're not supposed to be having sex for marriage this is what happens part of the part of the game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think and I wish and I pray that Christian parents would acknowledge if you tell your child say no 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 wear a white dress say yes then they have no vocabulary for when something like that happens to them they have no understanding that even if they're quote sinning that they actually deserve to not have their body hurt to not be emotionally hurt like as women, or probably as all of us, I don't think we knew we deserved to be treated well in sexual mm-hmm. experiences outside of marriage because we're dirty cups that people spit in and we're chewed up bubble gum and we're half-eaten candy bars. Like, why do those girls deserve to not be hurt in sex? Mm-hmm. So you just send your child out into the world not knowing their worth even existing in those situations, which is true. Your worth exists no matter what situation you're in, you're still just as valuable as you were before you got yourself in that moment. So I really look back at that experience with like heartbreak for that part of myself that didn't know she deserved to express that that wasn't okay. And I came home and I like ended up crying about it and I didn't even know why I was crying. It was very, very confusing. Whereas now that I have stop that compartmentalization and, and unified my spirituality and my sexuality, I understand what I deserve. And I really want all Christian women, all, all, all people to understand that value of themselves. Yeah. I've had a, a, a very similar situation at one point than when I was, um, 
still really involved in the church. And even if I wouldn't have been still involved with the church, just like the, the conversations that I had had, um, there was a situation where we were at a party and I'm like, first of all, I shouldn't be at a party because there's alcohol here and we're all under 21. there. So I was already like so guilty. And then this one guy who I kind of had been talking to, you know, started to in public physically touch me in a lot of ways that I was not comfortable with. People were drunk. It was just, it was something that I did not want. I did not consent. I was telling him to please stop and he didn't. And I went to the bathroom afterwards and I was bawling, but it was literally one of those situations where I was like, this is what I deserved. Like I was underage drinking. I am letting a guy who's not my husband, you know, touch me sexually and I, you know, this is what I deserve. This is what I deserve. And I continued to like to think that way for a lot of years. And I, and though I don't necessarily know where I fall now personally, like on a spiritual spectrum, it's kind of been a journey for me. I think I know my parents would have never wanted that. And I think if there would be a conversation, like you're saying that would happen in the church parents knowing, Hey, maybe they still have these opinions about that sex before marriage is wrong, but does anyone really want their child to be ever in a situation where they feel like they can't say no because they don't deserve to say no? Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, I was just thinking about how we don't even generally, I'm, I, of course, when we're saying we and all this, there are always exceptions. And I know we always get DMs or comments that are like, well, that wasn't <laughs> My, how my yeah. church was, and I'm like, all right, then we're not speaking to you. This is yeah. not yeah. what we're addressing. Tell us where that church is, because yeah. that sounds great. That's, we're, we're not addressing you, and I'm right. so grateful you had that experience. However, the majority of people do have that experience or mm-hmm. have had that experience growing up in the church. It's different depending on where you live, and, and you may be a special case. I just want to say that real quick. But also, um, there's not even generally conversations about um, what sex should look like in marriage which is also kind of absurd (laughs) because of course we we were taught not to do it but outside of marriage but also you know I had a high school sweetheart who we maybe in in if things had been different we would have gotten married and um my mom always told me and I saw you address this in one of your videos, you know, sex in marriage is beautiful. Well, I'll tell you what, the sex that we were having outside of marriage, and if we had gotten married, it wouldn't have just magically turned into something beautiful because (laughs) I had no idea and I didn't understand that if I wasn't, maybe I was enjoying it in the middle of sex, but if it was hurting in the middle of sex, that I was supposed to say stop. Mm. And I had no idea. And, um, you know, we had that's a whole other discussion about sex ed because I knew we were supposed to use condoms but anyway um (laughs) but not much other than that and but yeah not even knowing how to communicate with someone about what I wanted not even knowing how to say no in the middle of something that started consensually and all that kind of thing that is a part of marriages too, even even if it's a holy marriage in the eyes of God and you're vir- both virgins when you, people have no idea what the heck to do mm-hmm. and how to have a mutually pleasurable, gratifying, consensual experience. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of absurd. 
Yeah, it's true. I feel like a m the majority of like teachings that I've seen about purity were like these like cool tattooed pastors that used to have a rough past and like yeah. <laughs> had sex with a lot of people, but now they're like reformed and their sex with their wife is like amazing. They're like my wife. She's the hottest person I've ever seen. <laughs> She's the, the only one I'm attracted of times to. Times the pastor is like, my wife is so fucking hot, and basically <laughs> saying that on stage, like, oh my god. I know. Like, what about she smart? <laughs> it's just like. I mean, and they're just like, yeah, you're going to get married. And because this is literally yeah. the rhetoric, you're like you're going to get married and God is going to bless your marriage because you did it right. And therefore, you're just going to have a million orgasms. You guys are both hot Christians, so you're going to figure it out. Oh, like I remember one of my precious best friends who was the most like pious you know quote unquote perfect christian friend that i had who was like the one out of all my friends who had done nothing sexually before marriage and it was just like she did it and she went on her honeymoon and she came back and i remember her sitting on my couch uh -oh. and her falling into my arms bawling going what did i do wrong oh. because this shit sucks i did it yeah she's like i did everything i was supposed to do and that was horrible and i remember just being uh. like oh my god i don't know what to tell you like I mean, I didn't have an answer at that time because I was just like, I've been, you know, you're gonna have to get a divorce. <laughs> so there's only one answer for you: immediate divorce. You have, a, you know, you got like 30 days, and you're good. But Imagine no. if they even told you like it, it's gonna suck the first time. Like it can suck the first yeah. time, and you need to make sure you use lube yeah, on your on your wedding night lube, because, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know. Yeah. Oh, that's another problem. It's like the church is so obsessed with sex and telling us this very vague fairy tale. And it is a freaking fairy tale of like, save yourself from marriage, you're blessed, millions of orgasms, yeah. the end. <laughs> and it's like, that's not true for the majority of people. And by the way, if you keep lying to people and telling people that Cinderella tale, all they're going to do is get disenchanted and question what you've said. Because yeah. for me, saving myself from marriage, a, a huge part of my motivation was protecting myself. I was always so terrified of being cheated on. So that was like this insurance plan that I'd created. Like, well, God's going to bless the marriage and, and he's never going to cheat because I was a good girl and I did everything right. Yeah. It's like I got backhanded and <laughs> across the face on mm. that one. Which, thank God, like that sent me into the most beautiful journey of my life. It gave me permission to get the divorce that I needed to because I wasn't even in a marriage that made any sense for me. So it was amazing. But like, that's the other thing. If the church wants to talk about sex, I'm like, fine. I mean, I wish they almost wouldn't. But if you do, tell people about lube. And also in all these premarital counseling things you put couples through, are yeah. you ever telling the guy that the girl has a clitoris? Mm -hmm. Like, also, God created a clitoris for no other purpose except pleasure. So can we stop demonizing pleasure as well? Because it's obviously a God-ordained thing if we are given that body part. And obviously, men have the same capability for pleasure as well. So, or arguably women have like more capability for pleasure yeah. and yet we're demonized all the time for that. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about how the porn message, you know, like guys stop watching porn. And what about like, instead of saying that it was cheating on, on your future wife, what if we talked about how 
mainstream porn is unrealistic and how it's not going Mm -hmm. to teach you how to have sex properly with your wife or pleasure the person that you're with like that could be a totally different conversation like i know wouldn't you love if we were just being real yeah like hi some of you guys are having premarital sex out there like this is what consent is this is what pleasure is some of you are watching porn arguably all of you are watching (laughs) porn how do we do this in a healthy way Mm -hmm. like how do we acknowledge you know what's actually happening in the world instead of going into this place where you have to like all pretend to be on your best behavior for three freaking hours in an evangelical service or beating yourself over the head all the time and you know your accountability partner you're just like i keep fucking up and i'm a horrible person you know they're getting those emails you remember those emails like when you would watch porn if you had your accountability partner that they'd send your your uh, friend would get sent the email but like jessica just started watching porn and i get like a text from my friend and my of course my friend very very rarely watched porn i was more of the porn watcher wait you had yeah because i used to watch there was no way there was no way in hell i was signing up for that are you kidding me that was not a choice i got guilted into that shit i love that you did it anyway even though you knew you would be watching i was just like no i literally i knew i like sometimes would literally send it like um, uh, an email before be like you're about to get an email just fyi i just watched i would be like separate vpn app (laughs) like how to disconnect my internet how to I've never been tech savvy, <laughs> <laughs> but I was oh, able to pull up porn. Babe. I could do that. Oh, well, I want to get into the theological discussion a little bit about yes. all these things. Cause okay. I know there's that side of the audience. that's like, yeah, this is all fine and good. What you ladies are talking about, but you're not real Christians. If you are going to ignore these certain parts of the Bible. So I'd love to get oh, God, into that. I'd love to get <laughs> into that. It. Um, before we do that though, it's uh, it's that time of the year now, broads holiday parties galore. Late nights, mistletoe, lots of spiked eggnog or just straight vodka shots. You do you, whatever. Uh, This time of year, I always prepare myself for that three-week hangover that I'm going to get because I always have had hangover issues in general like hi two glasses of wine and a raging headache and nausea drama always. It's the worst and it gets worse the older I get. But thank God I have found a solution. Bless, bless. It is DHM Detox. You deserve to enjoy a few responsible drinks in the evening without feeling awful the next day. And DHM Detox is the vitamin for when you drink. It helps with the breakdown of toxic byproducts of alcohol that cause you to be hung over. So this usually builds up while you're drinking. This is science. It's a blend of natural ingredients, antioxidants, and vitamins that fight off that awful next day feeling after drinking. All you have to do is take two capsules after your first uh, couple drinks, not before, and it helps break down those toxins. Uh, Double up and take another packet if you're going to have a big night. Uh, The convenient packets are easy to take with you anywhere, perfect for the bar, the parties, or any uh, drinking activity. I pass them out to my friends now before we go out, and they love them. I keep them in my purse, and all the friends come running out asking for them because they know how much better they're going to feel in the morning. Don't forget to drink a lot of water and get sleep for optimal results. Ask yourself, what is your next day worth? For just a couple dollars, you can wake up feeling totally normal after drinking. And because it's Black Friday week, we have a special discount for our podcast listeners. We're giving you all 30% off your order of DHM Detox. Just head over to dhmdetox.com and use promo code CHATTY30 at checkout. That's DHM 
D-E-T-O-X.com. Also, there's free shipping on all orders in the U.S. And if you have any questions, you can send them a message um, to at DHM Detox on Instagram. They always respond super uh, fast. They're amazing. Um, so I know we've been talking a lot about gift ideas because of the holidays, but I'm telling you there is a gift that you can give to anyone under the sun that would be appreciated, and that is Bomba Socks. Bomba Socks are soft. Not just pretty soft, more like made with the softest cotton in the world soft. And they're built with extra cushioning. They provide support in places you didn't know you needed it, like your arches. Each sock is built with special arch support system that's supportive but not too tight, like a nice hug but on your foot. Also, you ever notice that annoying toe seam most socks have? I hate it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bomba's got rid of it. From now on, it's just smooth sailing all the way across the top of your foot. My favorite thing is that Bomba's made a, a lot of different socks. There's dress socks for work, performance socks for working out, and limited edition holiday socks. And I got Ember and I matching socks that are the Sesame Street collab. Um, they're so cute and comfy, and she's obsessed with us having wear matching socks together. It's very cute. Um, there are so many great looks over at Bomba's. You should check it out, Broads. Go to bombas.com slash chatty and get 20% off your purchase uh, during their big holiday sale november 18th through uh, december 5th that's b-o-m-b-a-s dot com slash chatty for 20 percent off bombas.com slash chatty okay so dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the hard stuff <laughs> dun 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 um I mean, there's so many angles to hit this at. And I think you, I, I, uh, the, one of the videos that I really liked this morning was, I'm trying to think of the title, but you kind of went through these different reasons for why homosexuality is not, a, is, is, I can't remember exactly how you <laughs> phrased it, but you talked about, uh, being hypocritical and you talked about divorce you talked mm -hmm. about um the specific verses uh and the context and some other things so maybe just maybe just jump into the, some what you feel are the really compelling points about homosexuality in the bible well yeah i'm glad you brought up divorce because i would have forgotten that on my own I, but it's my favorite yeah <laughs> no i watched that one too and that i'm like that hit home like oh, hard good. where i'm like wow that's something yeah never yeah it just really goes to show how Christians will cherry pick things conveniently for like what they personally have going on. Like there's a very fundamentalist Christian YouTube channel and the girl has like, she's covered in tattoos. So she's got all these rules and regulations, but she'll talk her way out of the tattoo verses really mm -hmm. easily. Cause it's like, yeah, sure. That applies to you. It matters. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you like your tattoos. So sure. therefore you will justify them. Exactly. Yeah. So you have everyone harping, obsessing, obsessing over homosexuality. Meanwhile, Jesus never once mentioned homosexuality ever. Christians will deny, like argue that and be like, well, he does talk about sex between or marriage between a man and a woman and i'm like yeah but just because he addressed that doesn't imply that nothing else the is predominant couplings of the day <laughs> yeah you exactly know? Mm -hmm. um so he did explicitly condemn divorce unless there is infidelity and that was the only exception he made or like infidelity or abuse and meanwhile, you got all your divorced pastors up there somehow skirting around that and obsessing over homosexuality. So it's just like, let's you just call that out. Divorce. I'm, I, I have never 
heard of. There may be exceptions again um, of divorced people being thrown out of the church, not being allowed in leadership mm. positions, not being allowed to teach uh, kids ministries. Mm-hmm. All you that alluded kind of thing. to the uh, the idea of someone not baking a wedding cake for a divorced couple, mm-hmm. but wouldn't bake <laughs> yeah. it for um, a gay couple, and that was like, oh my goodness, like yes, yeah. yeah. Are you on your second marriage? Okay, get the hell out of my my bakery. Do you do you refuse to go to your friend's second marriage? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's yeah. a sin. I loved that point too. That same couple was like the tattooed girl was talking about how they would never attend a gay wedding because it would be promoting that. And I, yeah, that's the question. Like, so no second marriages for you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not going to mention that. You're not even going to admit to that conflicting mm-hmm. principle that you're holding. So anyway, <laughs> that's one. Um, also, I think the thing that would give anyone the most absolute insight and it's such an easy read is Pete ends how the Bible actually works. And he's full of dad jokes. He's like the sweetest guy ever. I've interviewed him as well. And he just breaks down. He calls the Bible... I forget the exact quote, but it's like a historical, ambiguous text like that is is incredibly complicated that spans thousands of years. And we're so used to Christians telling each other it's simple. Look in the Bible. It's right there. Like it's clear as day. It's black and white. And you're like, not only are there places where the Bible absolutely completely conflicts or contradicts its own self, but it's also the most complicated text, I would argue, in human history. That is why you have people, monks, like in the Himalayan mountains, debating it for centuries. And you have like the whole entire... Um, what is it called? The Italian priests in Italy. Yeah. The, uh, the Vatican. The, the, thank you. Yeah. Pregnancy brain is going to be my excuse <laughs> on that one. But you have like the Vatican and their yeah. entire life is about like moving with culture and society, acknowledging where doctrine needs to catch up with the reality of the world, with, you know, new technology, scientific advances, just advancement in our human psyche. Like Mm -hmm. we as human beings are constantly evolving and growing. And it is my personal belief. And that is very strong that the Holy spirit, God revelation didn't stagnate 2000 years ago. Why would it like, that doesn't make any sense to me. If our minds, if our technology and everything has never stagnated and we're constantly on the move and growing, That to me is specifically why Jesus died to give us the Holy Spirit to have this direct connection to God so that we could advance past those 2000 year old texts. And another ironic thing that Pete Enns brings up in his book is that people love clobbering people. They call them the clobber passages on homosexuality mostly out and about feminism and misogyny and everything through the apostle Paul and his teachings. But if you do not recognize the Bible as the ambiguous ancient text that it is, you're not going to be able to see the truth, which is that Paul was actually a feminist Mm -hmm. and a revolutionary of that time. 2000 years ago, he couldn't be like, listen, like everyone's gender fluid and sexually (laughs) fluid. And like women are completely equal to us. Like, 
there was no, you can only like know in hindsight what is right. And he was working with what he had at the time, 2000 mm -hmm. years ago. So it's like him saying women and slaves were even welcome in church, sitting beside the men. That was a revolutionary thing. Yeah. The fact that he said women be silent in church. It's like, if you actually look at the context of it, he's talking to one church where maybe the women were going bananas because they were so excited. They were finally in this environment that they were like, just being overwhelming. You know, you have to look at the context of everything. Yeah, and so in a way, it's an example of giving us permission to move forward and make changes because his texts at that time were example of making changes to create progress, mm -hmm. which exactly. we should have permission to continue doing. And you made another excellent point, um, which I thought was so funny I'd never thought about before, is you have fundamentalist, literalist, Christians talking about, you know, marriages between one man and one woman and looking at the examples we're given in the Bible of very unhealthy relationships and of multiple polygamous relationships. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, you can condemn, you know, young women, you young Christian women, you can condemn homosexuality, but what about the examples of allowing your father or those in authority over you to choose your husband and you being forced into a sexual relationship and commitment with that person? How do you feel about that? I, I hope you <laughs> yeah. would say that we've moved forward. And, and yeah. how, can you accept that we have changed our standards to allow for progress and we can continue to do so in all areas you, yeah. you can't cherry pick and say we can change certain things and even paul and jesus like destroyed the first testament by the way they lived and what uh -huh. they were telling people is true so they themselves like if you want to use them as examples their blueprint was we need to keep the evolution going. We need to keep moving forward with God, with the Holy Spirit to really grasp where we need to be. And again, like I hate to harpen back to like feelings, but it really is like you just look at that progress and what it does for people. When we moved away from women being property of their husbands, how much more have women thrived? Not only just as autonomous beings, but as spiritual leaders and just people, human beings that are capable of like living out their best life and being close to God. Like you really want to go back to those days when we didn't have autonomy and choice. And, mm -hmm. and it's true. Jesus never really freed us from that with any of his words explicitly. He never said you can only marry one woman. So you're right. right. Like everyone in these crazy open relationships and these crazy polyamorous relationships are living a more biblically We're sound lifestyle. We're getting back to ancient times, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, it's so, I feel like it's just so important to like at the end of the day, um, when you're talking about how you believe that they're supposed to continue to be growth and that's what they, like someone like Jesus was encouraging. It's like you look at the text like the Bible and this was a text and I believe it was Rob Bell who talked about it, who was like, this is a text that was written for a minority group that was being persecuted. This was a love song to them. And now here we are, you know, in let, let's just say America, a group of, um, largely uh, white uh, middle class people making a call and saying this is the Bible is black and white in this way and it applies to us in this way, this way, and this way and you guys are wrong in this way, this way, and that way when it's this love song to a minority group that wasn't even necessarily written like in the context to us and it was written so long ago that even something like I think about um, 
the verses with Solomon and how so many pastors will hearken back to like Solomon's demise was because there was like hundreds of wives when it's like the Bible actually makes it very clear that the demise had to do with like warfare and how obsessed that Solomon was with the amount of weapons and violence that was going on, even though he had seen it. Uh, you know, that was the folly time and time again, but they make it about the fact that, oh, Solomon had a lot of women. Because we love obsessing over sex. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have loved to have met Solomon. Yeah. I think of, like almost all the figures. He was wild. Yeah. <laughs> he had a whole journey. That is for sure. Was he the one that got turned? No, I'm thinking of another one. Who's the one that got turned, like had to go graze in the cow with the cows in the field and eat grass? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, that was a king, I believe. Solomon was a king. Yeah, no, I was like, I mean, like, uh, I don't think it was a... Yeah, I don't think Solomon ever went through that. No, Solomon... <laughs> he went through a lot of shit, but it wasn't that. Solomon, I mean, king-wise. Well, anyway, regardless. Also, uh, when we're... You talk a lot about, too, focusing... How much focus we're putting on something that the Bible mentions. How many, how many verses? I believe you said nine. Oh, yeah, I need to get this, like, straight, but... Are you talking about homosexuality yes. or sexuality? Um, uh, both. Yeah, I, I think uh, like sexuality in general, there's a lot of verses that are plucked that, that get perverted into being about sex and they're not about sex. Yeah. And I think there are literally maybe six verses total about sex. Rules. Let's, rules about sex versus like Song of Solomon. That's a whole book about a whole sex. Book about, you know? <laughs> yeah, ecstasy and pleasure and sex. Um, which is crazy that we just ignore the existence of that whole book. Yeah. We're like, let's not address that, that at all. <laughs> erotic book right in the middle. We actually had a whole series about it at my church, which is really fun. And it was like, they literally had to put chairs out in the hallways because so many fucking people showed up for the Song of yeah. Solomon series, really? which says a oh, lot yeah. about what people want to hear. People like need spill to, the tea about need to hear. <laughs> and it was very interesting, but of course it was all in this context of like marriage and the harping on do not awaken it before it's time and oh, place God, and no masturbation. And mm-hmm. How do you guys even find that? Like, yeah. that's crazy. And I actually think it's a great verse, like put into context and like talking about don't, don't awaken something before it's time is actually really powerful and applicable to all of our lives, I think. And yeah. like taking things at the pace that they should should go at and a lot of i think great application for dating yeah it can be integrity right there yeah yeah uh but i just want it so you said six verses let's even round up and let's say there's 10 verses let's that give are them rules. like 20 just yeah. just for like just for kicks I was and able- there's not there's like six to nine or something there are 90 verses where god says fear not or some variation mm. of that and their uh pride is the sin that is mentioned and condemned more than any other mm. sin fascinating really more Which than any is, other sin yeah and imagine how ironic that is because the church is built right now on pride and fear and arrogance. Yeah. It's yeah. like the foundation of American evangelicalism is pride and fear. If you give yourself away too soon, you'll be less than no one will ever love you. You'll never have a real marriage. Mm-hmm. Men, if you touch yourself, you won't be able to like arouse yourself for your wife. Fear, 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 fear. We're American. We, but we have family values here. We're right. You're wrong. Pride, pride, pride. Well, <laughs> and, and I was even able to find over very 
quickly over 20 verses about welcoming the immigrant and the alien, which <laughs> is something that is focused on so much in the Bible. Crazy. And hundreds. Well, they were, they were the immigrant and the alien, too. Yes. It's like the Bible was written for, for a group of people who were the minority and who were always immigrants. Yeah. yeah, and hundreds of verses on defending the widow, the orphan, and the poor. Yeah. So when you're making decisions, I mean, people always say, why do you have to get political? Well, the Bible is extremely political, and Jesus was mm-hmm. extremely political. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's important we talk about this kind of thing. So if you claim to be a Christian, what kind of candidates are you supporting? Are you supporting candidates that care about the well-beings of the alien and the foreigner in your home, which is what Jesus and the whole Bible talks about so Mm -hmm. often about welcoming the stranger and being the person who does that? Are you supporting candidates who want to help the poor and the orphan and the widow or are you supporting the candidate whose staunch, you know, beliefs are about defending the sanctity of marriage, yeah. you know, and which is mentioned less than 10 times and is clearly not the focus of the fucking Bible <laughs> no. and should not be the focus of our Christianity. Yeah. Well, this is why I recommend Jamie Lee Finch's You Are Your Own book as much as humanly possible. She's fantastic. I love her. Yeah. And, um, you know, she calls herself a sex witch now, so <laughs> Christians might go running oh, yes. through the hills. We're, we're yes. trying to get her on. Yeah, she was supposed to come on a couple weeks ago, but we missed her. Tragic. Yeah, yeah. She'll Tragic. be back in January. I'm an what? insider right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have an excellent podcast with her that's on the YouTube and my podcast. Um, but, you know, who cares that she's a sex witch now? She has been through like... <laughs> I love that sentence. Who cares that she's a sex witch now? We could put that aside. You can. If that, if that terrifies you, whatever, this book has nothing to do with that. This book is about her entire journey as a Christian, and she is incredibly informed. It's mm-hmm. historical. It's sound. It's built on facts and evidence and, you know, everything that you need to walk you through either deconstruction or reconstruction. She doesn't, like, treat anyone poorly or poo-poo reconstruction of your faith, which, you know, is where her and I differ just, like, a tiny bit. But anyway... This is not compelling to everybody, but it is true. And her book goes into the moral majority. And a lot of us that were born into purity culture and all of this toxic messaging, and especially now in the Trump era and everything that's happening politically, a lot of Christians don't realize that in the 1980s, Jerry Falwell and this evil, what I would consider demonic group of powerful white men created this organization that has their hands completely muddy with politics and they're obsessed with money, they're obsessed with power. And you can argue all you want that they started with good intentions, whatever. One of my most interesting things that I realized lately or that came out lately is that Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife were just like, exposed that maybe he's a cuckolder and (laughs) there's like pictures of them with like pool boys and masseuse boys and they're like fucking way (laughs) yeah they've opened up like like businesses for them and given them tons of money and there's like naked pictures of his wife and everything and i'm just like the ironic thing is i would never condemn him for being a cuckolder and living his life in that way and still calling himself a christian Mm. i'm like more power to you i wouldn't dare to say that on my channel but like i'm not mad at you for that yeah i'm mad at you for being freaking hypocrite like all of you assholes are Mm -hmm. like that's what you're doing. You're cuckolding with your wife while simultaneously controlling women's bodies, while simultaneously making millions mm-hmm. and millions of dollars 
by propping up candidates that can make you that money. And like, like I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm not judgmental of Trump. Obviously I am. I despise him, but like, let's pretend I'm not judging Trump. Um, All he had to do, a man like that, is whisper in his ear, hey, I can give you the entire evangelical vote. Just tell them I'm against abortion and uh, I'll take trans people out of the military. Like these hot button points. And they've all been manipulated through the moral majority. The moral majority talks to all of the famous pastors and is like, this is how we're aligned now. And this is what we're teaching people now. And then politicians take that up starting with Ronald Reagan and then it went to Bush and now it's in Trump. It's like Trump wanted to win. He's like, yeah, sure. Uh, He's probably paid for over 10 abortions. Yeah, But like he was like, I'll give you these people. Just say these two things. And he says those two things and he has all of those people in his pocket. And I'm like, just go back to the 1980s. Just read Jamie's book and you will see a historical count laid out for you clear as day on how that happened and how you as a Christian are being manipulated. And mm-hmm. just look at Trump's policies and are you looking at how he treats the immigrant and the stranger in a foreign yeah. land? Yeah. How he treats, you know, insurance for people who are poor and all these different things. It's like, would Jesus support Trump? No, I can confidently 100% say no. And Mm -hmm. if you believe that, I'm sorry. People are going to get pissed about this, but you're fucking fooling yourself. And the thing is, it's like at the end of the day, my biggest thing would be like politically to any of our listeners. Like if you hear this and like you're immediately angry, I would just say like genuinely, like the book that you're talking about that Jamie wrote, like the things that we're discussing right now, just as as difficult as it sounds and as difficult as it, I know it is just to remove yourself because politics have like, like brought such a divisive line between like the whole Democrat Republican Mm -hmm. thing. There's so much goddamn money behind both that it's like, you know, whatever. There's just so, so many layers, but like do your very, very best to just remove maybe your initial knee jerk reaction and like calmly research certain things. If you consider yourself a Christian, like look back to the Bible, look back to the Bible, read different things. I know that maybe you hear the word like democratic and you have this knee jerk reaction, but when you calmly in your quiet little like, like closet so no one has to see you if you feel like you're going to be judged like just research I know for myself personally like numerous years ago the idea of calling myself a democrat are you joking like I I would never because I just had this alignment of like if I'm a Christian if I'm a Christian I have to be Republican that's what my parents say that's what my you know my like my congregation says around me like I have to and I'm not saying that in certain ways like again I'm weird with the political parties like there's I mean fucked I don't, up things I don't, with I don't either call side. myself a Democrat you don't have to call, you don't have to identify right, that's what with, I'm saying you yeah. don't have to identify I'm it's, this is not about a party thing that's why I'm saying like there's so much money on either side and there's fucked up shit with both yeah um but But I know there is like there are those like that knee jerk reaction because of maybe how you were raised that you're just not maybe willing to even quietly look into something. I would just encourage that if you do have that reaction right away, because I know I did. So I'm saying this from a place of like, trust me, I felt that way. Like I said, too, I'm not this staunch like I believe in all these policies on the other side. I just know that I wasn't willing to really look into the truth behind a lot of these things because I just said they're just not allowed because I'd hear certain hot button things and I wouldn't let myself go there. Yeah. I love that you said that because I 
realize the literal um, translation of Satan is the divider. Mm. And I often Mm. talk about how the us versus them mentality is the most evil, like demonic thing that has been presented to us as Christians, as congregations and as people, especially now in this society. And I researched uh, Tommy Lauren and I was, do you know who she is? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I wish she was here. Hard not to. (laughs) I would love to meet her and talk to her, actually. Jabroni. Wild. I would love to. Unfortunately, Tommy, if you're listening secretly, (laughs) we are a safe space. You can talk to us. (laughs) I would love to. I'm dying to get more people that just outright disagree with me and vice versa. Oh, how fun. I'm like, I will treat you kindly. I swear. Like, just please talk to me. And they all say no. They all say no. Um, Tommy might do it. If you get a hold of her, she might. I, I feel like she revels in that. Doesn't she like live in San Diego or something? I don't know. I'll, I'll drive Stalk to your her. house, Tommy. <laughs> I'll come. I'll slide in your DMs. Find your favorite bar. <laughs> show you're all pregnant right now. You're like, so. I'd love to chat. I would love to. But anyway, it was really eye opening because I was actually at home for Christmas and my dad and I, this is an off topic. Like, we have this, we cannot talk about this yeah. ever. Yeah. And that is honestly the only way our relationship can survive to avoid this topic altogether political politicism and religion all that stuff yeah we can't get into it and it's really massively improved our relationship boundaries yeah yeah Yeah. tip number one for all of you like maybe just have that as a boundary with people that you love because there is so much more to a person than their political stance so stop talking about it with people that you know are going to infuriate you um but anyway, I was researching like Republican versus Democrat and why people swing one way or the other. And um, I went in just as angry as anyone else. I used to be co- like kind of volatile on Facebook when everything first started. I was like raging, yeah. commenting furiously, yeah. commenting back. Yeah. And it was really effective. I changed everyone's mind and, and everything. Amazing. The respectful quality conversations you can have on a Facebook comment thread, right? Yeah. Not. And it's amazing how worthless it is. <laughs> Tip number two, like look at the fruit. It's worthless yeah. the majority of the time. What isn't worthless is being like, okay, we have this us versus them mentality. What do we have in common? Mm -hmm. And when I was looking at that, it was really fascinating because I do not want to like diminish. I'm not saying anything bad about um, people that are on the Republican side or that watch Fox News or whatever. But there have been studies where people that lean in that way um, that are into uh, patriotism and like small, like family, like if there was an explosion, they would just grab their family and run versus someone who has the mentality there's an explosion and they're gathering together everybody and they're helping everybody. Um, one of them, gosh, I'm like forgetting the, uh, the scientific term. There's a portion of their brain that's larger. That's like their fear sense sensor. Ah, that makes sense. And, um, and again, I'm not saying that to talk trash about anybody. I just realized when I was researching that video that there is a really important factor to both because someone that has a larger fear-based center is generally someone that likes routine. They like knowing what's going on. They're very protective of their immediate family. And it makes sense that that kind of person would be like, I want my guns. I want my patriotism. I want to know my country is safe. I want to know my border is protected because I have this protect my small community, my small family, my values kind of mentality. 
versus you have the wild children of Los Angeles like ourselves where if an explosion goes off, we're saving everybody and we're trying to do the whole community thing. And I realized that there's just such value to both. Like if we had an imbalance, if there was too many of us liberal crazy people or too many conservative people, we'd be completely out of swing. (laughs) And it's almost like the masculine feminine divide. It's like you really need a beautiful, like complex combination of both. Yes. So Mm -hmm. I started started really looking at it that way I was like okay I understand why you want your guns because you are worried about your child in your house at that time and you're or even the government like overtaking things which isn't absurd you know Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and you want to be able to feel like you're you're protected by your government and there's not these droves of people coming in so to me the perversion and the evil is that the people that you know are in charge of news and Fox News specifically or whatever know that they can use fear to manipulate people. And too. same with CNN yeah. too. You know, it's very oh, yeah. polarizing. Of like, Absolutely. this is what the, the the world will never be the same now that Trump's president. You know, mm-hmm. right. life yeah. is over as we know it. And yeah. that's the thing. Like when I'm saying, like, yeah, just like I was saying earlier, with like, I'm confident that when that thing was happening with me with that guy at that party, that my parents wouldn't have wanted this. It's like mm-hmm. I know that especially I would assume because we have a lot of really amazing listeners that regardless of what political party you fall on at the end of the day, I know that most of our listeners do want something for the greater good. So that's why it's where I'm saying like, yeah, it's if you look into what scares you, I feel like that's just opening up so much, so much potential beauty, like whatever side you may fear, whether you are a Republican, consider yourself to be a Republican looking into like, what does this actually look like with this whole immigration thing? Like truly, what is, what does Jesus say about it? Right. Or if you're a Democrat going, I don't want to hear from those people. They're just from this area and they don't understand versus, okay, let's look at maybe Uh, things in the Midwest where they're in situations that may be on the coast that you're not with their family. Like you, Mm -hmm. we have to just see and love each other. And I do feel like, again, regardless of where I necessarily fall at this moment in my life spiritually, that I believe that the, the story of Christ, that Christ is a figure as a historical being was so like, that was what it was about was Mm -hmm. about just loving everyone regardless of their place regardless of if they're a pharisee or if they're a prostitute like it was all about like coming together in equality yeah you know what jesus was also about is about anti-establishment in a lot of ways and so maybe the even greater takeaway is evaluate for yourself evaluate what your pastor is saying to you and see if that aligns with your intuition with the holy spirit with what you're seeing for yourself in the bible you you know evaluate the leader that you support no matter on which side you are and unpack what they're saying and how that aligns with your beliefs and your ultimate conviction and Mm -hmm. evaluate think for yourself you know I'm not just going to you know the reason I said I don't call myself a democrat is because sure this one candidate you know everyone is like oh Obama was fantastic well Obama bombed a lot of people and a lot of people died and I don't like that and Mm -hmm. I also don't want to support someone that wants to invade other countries and kill a lot of people and so it's about like 
evaluate and unpack like what is this person really saying what do they really believe and how does that align with what you believe yeah I totally agree I think too often someone has been given a label or or just proclaims a label and you're like okay so I'm just gonna zombie I in, trust into you. the night with them and it's like no just because someone calls himself a pastor or a democrat or a republican you can't just take everything they say yeah. as gospel literally and I remember you're reminding me of when I was at this church that was really imposing itself on a lot of us and really creating a lot of fear. They told us we can't vote for Obama in 2008 and that we had to vote against Prop 8, whatever, however yes. that was worded. Yeah. Yes on Prop yes 8. Yes on Prop 8. <laughs> yeah. Um, because if a Democrat gets in, then their tax exempt status could be a threat, you know, blah, blah, blah. So all, so many of these things are based in fear. And that was kind of the tone of this church at the time that I was going. And I'll never forget. I wish I knew this man's name, but they had a guest pastor come in and he was like, he went on this whole thing about the expanse of the universe and how many light years it takes to get to certain planets and certain stars. And he went on for like three to five minutes about all of that. And then he looked at us and was like, so I don't know anything mm -hmm. and I'm going to preach a sermon and what you need to do is take it home and decide, discern whether or not what I said resonated with you, what is true, what is not, because I'm just a man. I'm trying my best. I'm going to like falter, take it home with you, be independent with it. And I remember I looked over at the head pastor who was so fear based and I was like, Ooh, what did that guy <laughs> just say? Like, I really wanted to see his face because I was like, that must scare you. Someone told us to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel? And I never heard it again from any pastor ever, but that always stuck with me. And I think I truly believe and wish that every single pastor before they started any sermon said, let us pray. And you all put your heads down and are like, you have been given the Holy Spirit as an individual. Therefore, you as an individual can interpret what I'm about to say. I'm a flawed person. Forgive me if I give a wrong message. Take it and ingest it. If it resonates, if it doesn't, leave it out the door before you go home. Amen. And I hope mm. it goes without saying for the same for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And whatever what we're saying. No, I always episode, say that about you know. myself. I mean, oh, no. And I feel like the older that I get, like literally every passing year, the more that I'm like, oh, bitch, you don't know anything <laughs> yeah. like the less I, and it's like so cliche but it's so true and the more that even the farther we do with like more episodes on this on this show the more than I learn from other people and hear other people's stories and I think oh you thought that you knew law oh for sure and <laughs> I'm now hearing stories from other people going like actually like for instance if I were to say that I'm more liberal and all of a sudden I get a message from someone who's more conservative going well actually like I experienced this in my life and I go well god that's that's your truth and that that is real and oh my god like I'm reevaluating stuff and yeah all that it's yeah, like since we started the absolutely. podcast a year ago so much has shifted and I I would hope for all of us that we continue to shift with every year mm -hmm. and passing week of our lives and our allow ourselves to change in the things that we believe and stand behind. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. don't stagnate the Bible either. <laughs> yes, well, absolutely. Okay. So let's pause for one moment because we do have to quickly talk about truly the OG supporter <laughs> we, of the like broads. I feel like we wouldn't be here without this sponsor. No, we truly wouldn't. <laughs> like they're part of our hearts forever. Honestly, they're probably the reason that we exist at this point. Um, it's Fab Fit Fun. I, oh man. 
<laughs> I forgot to tune my voice before. You didn't practice? <laughs> Fat Fit Fun. I'm going through puberty. <laughs> Fat Fit Fun is a women's lifestyle subscription box filled with full size premium beauty, lifestyle, fitness, home, and wellness products sent straight to your doorstep each season. Each box is, box is customized to your specific interests. And by the way, the box retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. And now the 2019 FabFitFun Winter Box is on sale. Oh, and there are some goodies in that winter box. Honestly, it's maybe one of my favorite boxes so far. It's perfect for the winter. I got the coziest pair of slippers. I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> so on brand. <laughs> um, a makeup remover washcloth that is amazing gets it all off thank goodness um and a jonathan adler candle which hello like how bougie i never thought i'd be fancy enough to own a jonathan adler candle <laughs> lots of great stuff in this box such a great box and such a great gift to give to yourself or other people in your life you love it's always a hit and today you can use coupon code chatty for ten dollars off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com making it only 39.99 that's coupon code chatty for $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. Do you have anything that like you, any last things you want to bring up? Like that are important to you that you're, that you're thinking on and talking on right now? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think be hopeful. Like mm. don't get into this really sad, depressing space. Like, we have climate change and we have this political disaster going on and both sides think it's a disaster. Like there's so much fear and there's so much anxiety and rightfully so like things do look crazy, but as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun and my, one of my favorite verses of the Bible. <laughs> Me too. I love it. And it's so applicable. It's so real. And it's like what unifies us. We've all been in love. We've all had our hearts broken. We all want our families protected. We all want our babies healthy. You know, mm -hmm. like we are a universal system of people. And I do believe that God's, divine fingerprint is in absolutely everything so just walk through the world respecting others as though god is running coursing through their veins and animals for the love of god have god coursing through their veins and um i don't know just don't lose hope what's the other one that i love um what's the one about the heart that i love shoot um hope deferred makes the heart sick I think just like keep all of your hearts healthy and realize that all of this is divine. We can all have room for improvement. And it really all is about love and self-expression and just you don't have to accept everything. You don't have to bow down to culture, which is often, you know, how Christians say it to like scare us out of having new Secular principles. culture. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love the voice. <laughs> Secular culture. Yeah. <laughs> It's not terrifying. It's like, just look your neighbor in the eye, look the immigrant in the eye, look, you know, an environmentalist in the eye and just realize what we're aligned on and don't lose hope. Don't make your mm. heart sick over these things. Just stay up. Because I definitely believe in the power of prayer and that universal consciousness that we can all like elevate together. I think that should be the next mission of our divided society to just try to come together with hope and peace and love and figure out how we can stop this madness. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
Amen to that, sister. Don't kill my upcoming baby with climate change, please. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. It's also terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be terrified. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming. Uh, It was a lovely conversation. I know. It's so lovely. Okay. So please let us know where we can find you. Plug away. Per usual broads, we'll put all this info in the episode notes. But um it's youtube.com slash god is gray g-r-e-y search podcast god is gray and it comes up on like everything apple anchor spotify blah 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 um i will be writing a book and having merch coming out soon yes the book is gonna take a while so don't hold your breath (laughs) maybe next year or something but this memoir that i had been working on forever is finally actually in the works which is really exciting fantastic congratulations to you another baby on the way yeah (laughs) i'm actually gonna drive to san diego to meet my publisher because they're in town from massachusetts my goodness so that's really exciting um yeah i don't know subscribe please that really helps me out and i'd love to like keep connecting to other people in this crazy headspace Mm -hmm. that is apparently more universal than we thought Mm. (laughs) i love that yeah well thank you thank you again thank you for bringing you and your beautiful baby with you Mm -hmm. she's pregnant if we didn't mention that (laughs) that's why he's very quiet All right. Well, broads, thanks so much for tuning in. Yes. And again, we're going to have a uh, special episode on Thanksgiving when we have where we have a. You a, do not want to. You miss do not want to miss this. We got a big announcement. Dang. A big one. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> not that big yet, but we'll be getting bigger. Oh, oh there's a hit. cliffhanger. <laughs> All right, broads. Chat soon. Chat soon. <laughs> <laughs>